Welcome to the Pitch to Scale podcast, where we share the secrets from Australia's first and only angel group that specifically invests in female-led startups. In this series, we profile our scale angels and the amazing female founders we meet. Join me, your host, Samar Michaela, to explore this inspiring and thrilling investment class that offers the opportunity to shape the tomorrow we believe in. It was a trip to South America that sparked the hottest journey of Renee Bunster's life. Renee Bunster, co-founder of Bunster's and the now famous Shit the Bed Hot Sauce, was brewed in her kitchen after a relentless search for a decent hot sauce came up short. Sharing it with her family and friends resulted in them demanding more. She thought, why not give it a crack and sell it to strangers? Renee's personality and background as a TV journalist and media expert means she knows how to tell a story to generate serious excitement. And voila, before she knew it, her hot sauce went viral. With zero social media customer acquisition spend to date, a three-month successful 250000 crowdfunding campaign, and now America's number one selling hot sauce on Amazon, are but a few of the company's amazing achievements. Bunsters is solving the global mistrust of food systems in one clean, green, hot sauce bottle at a time. Welcome, Renee. Thanks so much for joining us on the Pitch to Scale podcast. Thanks for having me. Tell us a bit more about your business. My business, I, my business is called Bunsters. Bunsters. Uh, it used to be called Bunsters Hot Sauce, but now we're going to move into other areas. So it's just Bunsters and we make um, high-end premium luxury hot sauces. So the top end of the market. Where did this idea come from? It it happened. I didn't even eat chili. I'd never purchased a bottle of chili sauce, but I went on holiday to Mexico and Central America. And you know, when you're on a holiday, you just pick up whatever's on the table and read it. And so I started reading the back of these hot sauce bottles and started eating them and just found that they were delicious. And it actually, I pinpointed the exact moment where I thought I have to go home and make hot sauce. I was in Belize and I picked up this bottle and it was absolutely delicious. And the first ingredient on it was carrots. And I thought, what the hell? You can put vegetables in hot sauce and like my jam is veggies and salads. And so as soon as I got home, I made a batch of hot sauce and carrots was one of the main ingredients. I think you've mentioned before that you started making it just for family and friends. Is that right? Yeah. So this first batch I made uh, because I, I did, I did, as soon as I got back to Perth from this big holiday, I went and bought all the hot sauces in the shops and at the chili festival and they were just 20 different versions of Tabasco. So what I discovered was a problem with the hot sauce industry. Um, but I didn't think of becoming an entrepreneur or starting a business. I just had to get in my kitchen and make a batch of sauce and I made too much and I didn't think it was very good. So I put on Facebook, who wants some hot sauce? I've got a heap of hot sauce here. And I was actually blown away by how many people said me. I want some. I didn't even know that people ate hot sauce. This is back in 2012. So I was like, all right, here you go. And I was on my way to London. So I took a heap to people in London. And then they all just started bombarding me saying, this is the best hot sauce I've ever eaten. Can I get some more? And I was like, would you pay me money for it? And they said, yes. And I think that's a bit of advice for anyone who wants to start a business. If you can get your tight ass mates to dip into their pocket and pay for something that they expected to get for free, you're onto something. And did you perfect the... I did. It took, honestly, it took about two, two batches before I was like, this is amazing. I mean, I've had your hot sauce. It is delicious. I haven't had your infamous shit the bed yet. You've got to work up to but it. But I've got to work up to it. But I'm at seven, seven out of 10 and it is 
actually delicious. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so good. I, I got a I got a call from a, an investor yesterday just saying, um, yeah, we got your sauce. We've uh, we've eaten it all, and uh, I'm like, this guy just wants more free sauce. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Wants- <laughs> yeah. So, what is the size of the opportunity for the investment? Yeah, you're so your addressable market, if you like. Oh, the size of the opportunity. Yeah. Well, that's a really interesting way of saying how much money can we make yeah, from this absolutely. bad boy. Well, in America, the sky is the limit. Mm. Um, in Australia, um, our hot sauce industry is burgeoning here. And But if you looked at the hot sauce shelf in a supermarket even five years ago, it was just Nando's and Tabasco and Sriracha. And now there's all of these young players coming into the market, like, like craft beer space, hot sauce is like that. So the opportunity is growing. About five years ago in America, it was worth a billion dollars, hot sauce. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger because there's these, you know, the most watched YouTube show at the moment. I've watched that. Is celebrities eating chicken wings with hot sauce on them. It's, uh, you know, the Gordon Ramsay was on a few weeks ago. It's had 50 million views. Wow. Nearly. Yeah. It's just, and this is, hot sauce has become this thing. Well, I mean, Natalie Portman was eating your hot sauce on vegan. Yeah, the weird. Vegan chicken, yeah. chicken wings. Spongy I mean, they, wings. they look spongy. <laughs> but um, the sauce hit the back of her throat. Yes. I remember that. That one hit. Yeah, like, that At the one back hit. of my throat. But yeah. it's good. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just have some almond milk. Yeah, it was so good. It was so good. So anyone can have. That's the best thing about hot sauce, right? It, 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 you're not, you're not um, restricted to, it doesn't matter what your background is because it's flavour. Yeah, really? it's added flavour. Yeah. And and when I was a kid, we only had tomato sauce. There, yeah. was, there was no hot sauce in my house. And now there's this amazing thing that hits the six senses of the palate. You know, there's, there's salty, there's sweet, there's sour, uh, there's, uh, what's the other one? Bitter. There's umami. We know about umami now. You know, the umami, like the MSG kind of thing that Asians have brought into our cuisine. And there's also spice, which is the sixth one. So when I was a kid, there was four. Now there's six. And that's how that's food just tastes so much better these days. Oh, it's just, I think in the more global food goes, the more you learn and, and create. And mm. it's just amazing how, I think hot sauce can go really nearly with every single cuisine almost, which is. Someone just tagged me in a picture of they just poured some shit the bed on some vegan ice cream. Like, <laughs> I'd like wow, to see that's that. Interesting. Just a little bit of garlic <laughs> in your ice cream, whatever. So, why are you uniquely placed to solve? Like, is there a problem with hot? There was a problem that there you found. There was that yeah. I found. And when I went to the first chili festival back in 2013, we got absolutely mobbed. I sold a thousand bottles of sauce. I made $12,000 in a weekend. And that's when I thought, wow, what, what have I done here that nobody else has been doing? Um, like I had an instant business. And it's because everybody else was just trying to do a different version of Tabasco. And now everybody's putting veggies in hot sauce, mm. which I think is a great thing because it means that blokes generally are eating more vegetables even in, in the disguised as hot sauce, which is good. So, but why am I well-placed to solve this problem? I've just always loved, I've always been a label reader. I've always been suspicious of those numbers. Why Ultimate do we sceptic. Why do What's we need? 202 and blah, blah, blah. That's a sulfur, I think, yeah. or that's 220 or 202 is a, a tartrazine, yeah. I think. Uh, no, that's 102. Like I learnt these when I was 11 yeah. years old and I'd say, mum, no, there's MSG in that. <laughs> And, and now you'll never see 621. Like they try and hide MSG, yeah. but they've got these different forms of MSG mm. that people actually have worse reactions to. And um, 
Yeah, the food industry. I've learned so much about the food industry since getting into it. Um, Sounds but, like you've always had a curious mind as it relates to that. Absolutely. Which is the perfect segue to go back to where we first started with. What, what's your background? I think you've got a very interesting background and I think it's it's partly the reason why I would say you've probably been, you've had so much success. Yeah, um, being a television journalist. Yeah. And um, since the age of 18, I got into the Academy of Performing Arts got in front of the camera, doing this, you know, doing broadcasting, just being a personality and a bit of a dickhead. And uh, so when I started my business, I didn't expect it to blow up. So I just cracked jokes and I was just funny on social media and all of the skills that I'd built up through 10 years of being in London and interviewing people, uh, I just, they're communication skills. And that's how everything is sold these days through communication mm. skills and um, and when, when I invented shit the bed and I put this photo of it online, it just started getting shared instantly went viral all over Australia and the world. So I had as much free advertising, more free advertising than I could handle. There were people and still to this day, we're constantly selling out because a photo of it will go viral. And that was just me being silly. Just, yeah. just so that. You great, all those great um, testimonials and content on your website. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, well, the PR, that's the other yeah. side of it is yeah. that I, I realised, hey, this is a story. And I, the first, you know, I can just ring up a journalist and say, I've got a yarn for you and, and give them some free source and they're sold. And, they're and I think even on Koshi's show, you give some advice to yes. entrepreneurs in terms of how to use media. Yeah. Um, which I think comes in, comes in really handy. Yeah. Koshy. In terms of telling, you know, telling yeah. a story and, and, yep. and don't just go straight to selling them, like create a brand and a reason why and then. All the best, because we all follow brands on Instagram mm. and Facebook. The best ones that you follow are the ones who aren't just constantly saying, having a 10% off sale, yes. you can buy our stuff here. It's the ones who actually communicate with you about something and you feel like you know them. And I just see so many brands doing it wrong, just yeah. doing it wrong. Ugh, it irks me. But yeah, no, yeah. I think it's great. Mm. It's um, it's a really handy background to have, I think. Yeah, yeah, but it just sounds ridiculous going from TV journalist into food production, but I I see my job as communication and and branding. And you never thought you would end up here, did you? Never thought about it. Never thought. Never in a million years did I even think I'd eat chili sauce. <laughs> you never tried it before before going to um, South America. It's so it's so interesting. Yeah, life. Life throws curveballs at you, but so we've we've run with it. It's great. Who who has been instrumental in your success so far? Um, well, I, I would say all of the investors who've come on with us in the last few months have been unbelievable. It was it's a big decision to sell off part of your company, and you know it's my baby, and these people are going to come in and they're going to own some of it, and they're going to tell me what to do. But it's been amazing because all the angels from the Perth Angels, the angels from Scale who've come on board, bloody legends who have just helped us and said, nah, how about you do this? How about you do that? And, and honestly, get good investors on board if you can and your business will blow up. It'll be amazing. I've re actually realised a lot of businesses can't take on investors because they pick through all of your books and everything with a fine tooth comb. And I just think there's so many businesses out there that will never get to this point. Like having investors is a privilege um, and being able to pick their brains. I thought they were nuts. I was like, why, why are these people giving me money? Why are they giving me all this advice? And I realised it's because they know they're going to make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> and so they want to help us to do well, that. Well, that's, that's, I think that's a 
perfect segue to my next question. What is your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? And, and what does success look like for Bunsters? Success would be being in every fridge in Australia. And, but, but, and, and I don't even think about America, but that's where even more of our money is coming from America. But I feel like if we can crack Australia and get in every fridge in Australia, then the success in America and other regions will follow. And that is not just being hot sauce, it's being a condiment for everyone at the, at the Christmas dinner table. Everybody reaches for a different thing. I would love to be able to make that condiment for everyone. Think about it. Christmas lunch, everybody reaches for something different. They absolutely do. Mm. You always have to have an array of condiments on, on, yeah. on offer. So that would be, that's my big, hairy, audacious, that's what I want to do. Without, that's, a, that's a big goal. Without, I like it. without uh, talking too much because I hate it whenever I say, I'm going to do this, and then it doesn't happen. I look like an idiot. So I'll just, you know, that's... That's just my goal. It's good. Mm. No, you've got you to dream big. You're there now, so you have <laughs> <Yeah>. to. <laughs> so uh, you've mentioned your investors and, and you know, being privileged. Um, it's, it's, what has your um, capital raising experience been like? So apart from them, you know, getting into you, – you have to create a data room, right, to put all of these – so they can look at your books and oh, criticise your yeah. business model. And, and say, why did you value it at that? Oh, uh, that's going to get – Yeah. How did you come up with your valuation? Our valuation of, what is it, $4 million pre-money and then once we have the million, it'll be $5 million. That's how food businesses are valued. That's how food businesses are valued um, because when you are acquired by Mr Hines or Mr Kraft or Mr Unilever, they all the costs below the line are absorbed by them. They have their own accounting, their own distribution, their own factories and all they care about is all the customers you've acquired and the lifetime value yeah. of that customer. Your overheads are absorbed by them, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, imagine imagine if Mr Hines rang up mm. and said, cool, Renee, you've, you've already got all the customers and done all this branding and so that's how food businesses are, are valued. So one that's been everyone's been talking and about. And did you know that before? Or did no. how did you how did you learn that? <laughs> My husband did all the research uh, as, as we're coming to pitch. Yeah, because he's smart at that stuff. And he just he came in like all sweaty one day. And she's like, "Oh my god, you won't believe this! Food businesses are valued of multiples of their their turnover. And look at this and this example and this example. And it was you know they were five x and they're four x. And yeah, the one that everyone's talking about right now is Bellamy's Organic Baby Formula. Yes. It's very I'm hard to find them. on the shelves. Yeah. Um, their turnover is $300 million and there's an acquisition trying to happen for $1.5 billion. So that's 5X. And that's food brands because I already love that brand. I really hope it does not get sold to China. But, um, you know, we've seen very similar companies to ours. Um, Top-end com- condiment company in America called um, Sir Kensington's. They went for 4X. Forex their turnover. So that's it's just how it's done in food. Yeah. Hopefully you're, you know, you get your, your goal and you've got the, you're in every single Australian household and then Mr. Hines or the equivalent calls you. <laughs> yeah, that'd be amazing. There's, there's, your investors would love that too. Oh, that's, so you're raising at the moment, right? Yeah, how yeah. did you come up with your capital raise amount of a million dollars? We actually wanted two million. <laughs> <laughs> and then once the first investors came on, they said, how about we just raise a million and you use that to double your turnover and mm. then then you'll raise the next million next year and the value will have gone up. And, and it was the best advice ever because we've met so many big time investors who don't want to chuck in 50 grand or 100. They want a million. They want to put in half a million. They want to own a big chunk of the company. So w- when we go to raise another million... Um, it's going to be a lot easier, I think. 
what milestones do you hope to reach? So I think, what did you say? W turnover. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, yeah what else have you got down for milestones in for this, for um, this race? For this race. I would love to be able to make it stretch to create some new products, but um, Andrew just wants to spend it all on increasing the turnover, the vanity, which helps with the investors and then getting more money. So And Andrew's your husband. He's, yeah. yeah. So you're the duo. Yeah. The husband and wife. I call him monkey boy. He just... <laughs> He just goes off in the room and then he just comes out all sweaty and, and saying, look what I've discovered. And I have to talk him, talk him down sometimes, calm him down. Uh, so actually, how does, on that note, since we're, since we're there, um, how does, um, you know, there, we've actually met a lot of um, husband and wife duos, uh, especially in the entrepreneur space. It's, it's rather common, actually. Um, how do you guys work? So how do you work through these, you know, different, achievements or milestones that you want to um, get to yeah because they're both really important right yeah so he's so I'm I'm the typical woman who doesn't value myself and just wants to stay in my kitchen and cook in my pot and do everything myself and when we when I made all this money from a crowdfunding campaign we raised 250 grand he's working in his office cubicle thinking hmm I think I know what I could do with this I think I know how I can put my economics mathematics and MBA into my wife's business. And so he's the one who's been saying, we need to go large, we need to do this. And so he's really pushed me to think big. And he's the one who said, let's take on investors. And I'm like, no one will give us money. And now people are giving us money. So I'm sort of the creative brain who comes up with all the the, the recipes and the the content and the PR and all of that. And he's the, the in, in the engine room, like stoking the coal into the engine to, to keep the train going, so but I'm steering it. Quite yeah, complementary skills get, skill yeah. sets, which is kind of critical to any um, co-founder um, built business, I guess. And, and we never knew that. We never knew yeah. that it's actually the perfect, perfect team. What do you look for from investors beyond money? We love to take on investors who can actually advise us and they have some expertise in a special area. And in particular, uh, we were shopping around for a digital marketing agency and when they found out that we were capital raising, they said, we don't want your money. We'd actually like some investment. We'd, we'd like to take a piece of the company. So they're going to be working for us um, and doing our digital marketing, not for money, for um, a stake equity, in your company. A stake in the company. And like, how, how awesome is that, that they have a vested interest in making it pop? So that is really what we're looking for, is people who, rather than taking money, they, they want to own a piece of the company and to help build it. Have you been given advice from your investors about how much money or how much of your company you should keep? No. Versus that's your personal. That's, yes. Yeah. What's your view on that? Yeah, I th given you, it's your baby. Yeah, I think you've, you've got to keep enough of it to still make it worth your while. Like, have you watched Shark Tank? Yeah. You see these people go out there and say, I would like $100,000 and I'll give you 10% of my company. And then they end up getting screwed. Well, I'll give you 100 grand for 50% of your company. It's like, what are you waking up to go to work for every day? If this guy's going to get 50% of your profit, that's not existent because, you know, but we all know that show was just for TV now. Yeah. But because I think, um, look, I mean, the way our investors look at it as well is, you know, we, we want our founders and our entrepreneurs to, to have a vested interest in their own company. So them giving away their company, then it sort of risks that because, you know, you're investing in Renee and Andrew essentially. Yeah. To, 
someone to execute. said that. Yeah, someone said that. You know, if we if we screw Andrew and Renee too much on their on what on their wages, we're just going to end up with a couple of bankrupt founders who hate each other's guts and get divorced. And yeah, so we've we've had discussions with them about our pay, and we're not we're not you know taking a massive income so that we can have amazing holidays. It's so you know these are our costs, and we realise we've just got to be austere for a few years and yeah. then we'll all get that I lovely mean, everyone's event. Everyone's got families and yeah. bills, mortgages. But we've we've bootstrapped it yeah. for four years. You've done it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. It's not like we're – that's the other thing. I see other businesses start and from the day they start, there's the, the husband and wife team taking a wage each. Mm. And I'm like, ooh, no, someone's got to keep working. Bit of a red flag, I think. It is. Yeah. It is. And then they, they set up their own factory and start producing things themselves. And I'm like, you could have outsourced that. And you can, How you did can you learn about all of that? Because I, I know you mentioned it to us when we caught up with you. You know, I mean, you'd never done anything to do with yeah, you. Yeah. You know, you're a broadcast. You're in television, essentially. Oh, well, I started doing it all myself. So I did everything. I was a street fighter did it all. And, uh, and then my husband would come in who, you know, he's read all of Tim Ferriss's books and he's like at our bookshelf. I can't believe all of the books that this guy had read before I'd even start a business about starting a business and, you know, the lean startup and the purple cow. And he'd say, Oh, you're doing this. You should read this book. And I just sort of naturally started doing all of these things. And rather than, you know, our motto is slow to hire, quick to fire, and we haven't hired anyone. We we use contractors, and if there's anything that we can outsource, we do that. And um, one of our investors at the first pitch night, Perth Angels, he said, how the hell are you guys turning over this much money with no staff? And that was that was Raph. That was someone you've interviewed. Yeah. And, and it, you know, he was just so sharp to say, how can you guys do this? This is, this is just the way we want to do it. We want to be able to be digital nomads who don't have an office. And and you get your production of The Source now done in Melbourne, is that yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There's a fantastic facility there. They produce for Audi and Woolworths and McDonald's and you can just trust them. And how did you how did you find that? Like how did you find that trust and did you go over and uh, we how actually does that work? well, we actually paid someone with about 30 years experience in the food industry to find it for us. So, you know, we paid that guy a lot of money to do the hard work rather than us finding, you know, you like, where really do you start? Yeah. yeah. And they, these places, they don't want to be found. They're usually flat out and you'll say, we need to cook. And they're like, well, our schedule's full because they're the best. And so we, we pay people. We pay people for their expertise. When you don't have it. When we don't have it. Yeah. And you're and getting investors on board to, to kind of plug and play where you need that expertise as well. Yeah. And advice along the way. Yeah. What have you learned about yourself in the last year? I love public speaking. I can't believe some people would rather die than public speak. And I'm like, what? They're all just going to sit there and listen to me? This is awesome. The hardest thing is when they say, you've only got 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, I could crap on for an hour. I, I love pitching. Yeah. I hope it never ends, but it, I do hope it does end. But I, I love getting to go and do pitches and... And people are now ringing me up saying, can you come speak at my event? And I'm like, what? You're going to fly me somewhere and pay me and put me up in a hotel to speak to people? It's awesome. You're very good. It's your natural at it. I'm good at crapping on. (laughs) Um, 
And it's good that you're harnessing that skill as well for, for your business, which comes in handy. <laughs> yeah. If I can get anyone to listen to this podcast, maybe they'll go buy some hot sauce. Uh, on that note, where can you buy Bunster's hot sauce? IGAs, um, independent supermarkets nationwide. We're not in Coles and Woolies yet because we've got to sort of build up to be able to, to deal with them because they're, they can wipe you out, you know, if you don't, if you don't do well and you, you build up, you put all of your eggs in the basket of getting into a thousand woolies and you don't sell enough for them and they delete you. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, a hundred thousand bottles of sauce a week that is not moving. So we've got to, we've got to wait to build up to them, but, um, independent supermarkets nationwide or online from bunstersworldwide.com. What do you do before you go to sleep? Oh, do you ask this of everyone? Yeah. Like, okay. So my, I've got like this 50 point checklist that I have to go through <laughs> and it seems altruistic like, oh, you know, make sure, make sure, you know, the four year old's not too hot and, you know, pull her off and put her on the potty so she doesn't wee the bed and, you know, make sure the baby's got a full belly, dream feed her and change her nappy and make sure my husband's not too hot and all the windows are shut. And it seems altruistic, like I'm really nice, but the the better night's sleep that everybody else has, the better chance of me not getting woken up in the middle of the night by someone going, I wet the bed or I'm hungry or it's someone so just important. kicking off dooners because he's hot and sweaty. So yeah, I have a 50 point checklist. I put out snacks on the couch. I make sure that she can turn the TV on with one button. So, you know, she just wakes up and she could turn on the TV and go, oh, look, there's food I can eat rather than going, mummy, I'm hungry. Clever. Yeah. I've, I've learnt this over the last four years. Just make sure everybody else can sleep and be fed. And The nighttime routine is actually critical, isn't it? What do you do before bed <laughs> if you've got a three-year-old? Yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah, so I never really thought about it as a 50-point checklist, but it's a 45-minute ordeal. It is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I try to shorten it sometimes, but it always it doesn't end well. Never. <laughs> you, if you miss one thing... If you don't put the snacks out, that's the day. That's the day. She'll say, mummy. He's not at that point now. Damn it. But that's what I'll work on for the yeah. next year for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, what advice do you have for those wanting to become an entrepreneur? Oh, I'd say stop. Don't say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> don't say, I want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, don't say that. Um, don't invest too much money in your idea if you haven't tested that people actually want it. Don't go and get into debt. Don't go and pay someone else for them to set up your website and produce your stock. And you need to you need to do it all yourself. Uh, you need to stare down the barrel of being poor for a few years or having someone else support you. Um, don't get into debt because so many businesses fail. So just start small and lean and make sure you've got a good idea and stop using the word entrepreneur. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Thank you so much, Renee, for your time today. No and worries. For everyone out there, make sure you taste some Bunsters and for any investors to reach out. Yeah. Um, best of luck with your capital raising and I'm sure we'll continue to see you on the shelves. Yes, you will. the supermarkets. You will. Thank you very much Thank for your you, time. Thank you, Renee. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pitch to Scale podcast and rate and review. I find the investors and entrepreneurs I meet so fascinating and learn so much from each and every one of them. If you want to learn more about angel investing, Scale have their very own online education program. You can enroll to the course called Startup Invested, made possible by LaunchVic via our website, scaleinvestors.com.au. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn 
Thanks to Buffy Gorilla for her amazing production and the Scale team who make it all possible. See you next week. Thank you.